Uh, welcome to episode 10 of A Funny Story About Money. I'm Kent Tilly. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is just to talk to local Edmonton business owners of, of all different walks of life, all different businesses. And I just want to hear their story because I find uh, entrepreneurs so fascinating and, and how you can make uh, money doing so many different things. And I'm really excited about uh, my next guest because he's a really cool guy and, and uh, what he does is, is he works with wood and, and if anybody knows anything about me, they know that I love carpentry. I was a framer for many years in Edmonton, but I couldn't handle it because I don't like winters outside. But I still have a little workshop in my garage where I make some weird things and sometimes they're okay and sometimes they're not very good. But uh, today I'm talking to a friend of mine, but I don't know a ton about his story or, or his business, but it's a really cool shop I just got to walk through. I love the smell of wood and people working with wood. Got some great products. Uh, it, the business is called Oliver APT, and uh, Landon Shedler is my guest today. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, we, we don't know each other all that well, but um, when we screwed up the first take, you found out that, that I used to be a carpenter, so that'll be interesting. Maybe just a little bit about yourself, and, and then we'll talk about your business. Yeah, for sure. Um, I grew up just outside of Edmonton in Beaumont, and after graduating high school, moved out to the Vancouver area, wanting to get into retail and hospitality, just kind of work in a uh, more of a customer service-based industry, wanting to be social and talking with people, but not wanting to work evenings and weekends. I took a job in carpentry that I got offered by some family friends that uh, I knew when I moved out there. Mm -hmm. So took that job and enjoyed it. Um, I grew up, my dad is a carpenter and he also had apprenticed carpentry under his dad. But growing up through high school, I wouldn't say I ever worked in a carpentry role. It was always around um, being self-employed and, and an entrepreneur was kind of in the family. Mm -hmm. but, but it wasn't my wasn't what I grew up working on and definitely not my main drive or motivation. Right, but what you were comfortable with tools and stuff growing up, like a little bit? A little bit. I, I, knew, I knew them, but it, like that wasn't something that my dad uh, kind of took me and had me working on with him, and mm -hmm. uh, it was never a, a, a job of mine, I would say. So I was around them, but I wasn't competent with them. Right. Um, but... I got offered a job out there, and we we started, uh, I, or I started first in a company that dealt with portable buildings. So they could be school portables is kind of the most common use for them, job shacks. Uh, but out on the East Coast, they utilize them for a lot. They could become, you know, you put five together and become a daycare. Or we did like the airport for the float planes down in the Vancouver uh, water waterfront area. Um, and then I went on to framing. So that was where I first kind of got like more into carpentry was framing and mm -hmm. framed out there for off and on for two years and back here as well. So did, did a couple of years of framing. And then at that time, my dad 
was continuing to work for himself as a carpenter and uh, had been doing a number of decks for a home builder. And so we decided that him and I together would start a decking company. Oh, so, cool. so we worked together on that. Uh, my kind of interest and background was in the framing. And then we also did finishing of the decks. And at that time, that's when he really encouraged me to go to Nate, go to school and apprentice under him uh, to become a journeyman carpenter. Oh, nice. Which is great. He, he saw the benefit of just really learning what we were doing, uh, not just the uh, specific tasks that we were doing day to day, but the broader scope of carpentry, because yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize how large that is. The carpentry trade and the carpentry apprenticeship program covers a building on a raw piece of land, anything from a shed up to a high rise. So mm -hmm. excavation, concrete, framing, uh, and finishing and every aspect in between. It covers that. You might not get experience or specialize in that, but mm -hmm. it covers it. So it, it builds a very well-rounded um, builder, or at least an, a knowledge and understanding of the built world. Right. So I worked with him for a number of years and was, uh, you know, in my early 20s at this point and started off by jumping in his truck and being his helper and then slowly getting more and more comfortable with the workload and the responsibilities and 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 having gone to through one of the or a couple of years of school and took on that role a lot more uh, started running my own crew uh, doing decks and kind of my own kind of let's say division of the company mm -hmm. um, but was always looking for something more creative right. always wanted to be doing something on the more artistic and creative side. So appreciated the the thrill of building something. I remember the first time framing something, looking and realizing that we took a lift of two by fours and, you know, dimensional lumber that someone dropped off with a truck earlier that week and we built a custom house. Yeah. And it was just, it was amazing. It's like, well, this was just a pile mm -hmm. and now it's the frame of, of a house that's going to go on to, you know, be someone's home and, and just, right. just be so much more than what it initially started as. And that's yeah. absolutely the best part about framing. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you immediately see what you did. And, and it, uh, it is, there aren't many jobs like that no. where you're like, I did that. Like I worked my ass off and well, and, and, and I think so many people can stand back and go, oh, man, you built, like, I can physically see what you did. Right. Um, and, yeah, there's a huge, a huge satisfaction in that. And, mm -hmm. and framing specifically, you know, if you're with a good crew, you can be flying and you can make some real progress. And every day you can see some real, yeah. you know, action to what you just did. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that was really amazing. That got me kind of hooked on building, and I, I, I learned that I had a bit of a knack for it and an, and an interest. Right. So it was good to, to, to work with him, uh, with my dad, go through the Nate apprenticeship program. During that time, because uh, it's a four-year program, I kind of started doing more creative stuff on the side. So I had first bought a condo in the Oliver area, and I renovated that. So that was, that was, I would say, one of my first kind of takes on doing more 
creative design-minded um, finishing, finishing and stuff, renovations. Because if you're building a house or a deck, what the yeah. hardest thing for me to realize when I first started was like, well, that's not even close to perfect. Yeah. Um, and my boss, my friend that was teaching me, he was a journeyman carpenter too. He's like, At the, the drywall covers it. Yeah. And like, yeah. if you're framing a house, it's got to be quick. Whereas if you're finishing, it's got to be perfect. Yeah, a bit and, more detail oriented. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, by no means was the place perfect, but it was my own decisions on what I did and my own kind of creative input. And that that continued into furnishings and kind of just um, decor and accessories throughout the place. So that kind of got me hooked on that. I, at that point then, was wanting to kind of showcase or create a portfolio of the, the little side projects that I would take on, the furniture mm -hmm. pieces or the more creative stuff. So I started a website um, and I needed a name. So I, I thought of it as my, my home business and so I called it Oliver Apartment because I was in my little thousand square foot apartment in Oliver. Right. So that's where the name comes from. I also wanted it to uh, be ambiguous enough that we could take on a variety of things. I really didn't know what it was going to be, but I just wanted it to have a name and be a, a portfolio and a showcase. So at that point then, was working on stuff. Uh, again, I would take on any little bit of extra work that I could. If that was baseboards in someone's basement, if it was framing up a garage project, I was always just taking on side work. And the beauty of decking in Edmonton is, I agree with you, it's grueling because of the cold, but it doing decks, it gave me a lot of time off. We would have slow months, and so mm -hmm. uh, there was flexibility that I would take on a project and it would work with my decking schedule because I would kind of schedule it in the fall or right. whenever you know, throughout the winter and what about what time was this during like the boom time when were you yeah. framing here yeah right so that this would have been all like mid 2000s I graduated so high school crazy. in 04 came back you know back and forth from Vancouver between 04 and 06 let's say mm -hmm. continually framing started up decking in uh, yeah probably 2006 or seven condo reno in 08 and then and then uh getting into more creative stuff then and at that point too was getting more involved in the kind of just living in oliver in the kind of the the downtown and oliver scene of meeting new friends that lived down there and there was a real boom in small independently owned restaurants and Right. cafes starting up so one of the first kind of projects that I got to work on was with Duchess when they expanded they had already been around for two or three years and they needed to expand from their kind of single bay into a larger space right and it was a great opportunity because they hired me on just as kind of a, a hourly carpenter to come in and work with them on the the finishing side, but there was no set of plans. So we got to kind of design and build the space as we went. The owners had clear visions of what style it, they wanted it to look like and the feel, and then I would just kind of work with them on what we could actually do. We'd go to the store and buy different trim and 
work on how we could fit it all together. Hmm. So that was a great, great opportunity. Put a lot of time into that project. Um, same as everybody that works there, they work extremely hard to get, uh, you know, done what they they do. But it really, you know, that's a really well recognized Edmonton success story. They sure. uh, are well known across Edmonton and and far beyond Edmonton now. But it was so such a big project uh, for such an early stage in my career. So, and that also was that was at a time when a lot of new independent restaurants, cafes were opening or going on to do their uh, second thing. So, let's say like Corso was going on to do a second thing, Barbrico, Trace Carnales was already up and running, and eventually they went on to do Rostizado. Three Boars was up and running but then going on to do Pharaoh. So there was like that initial surge of, of, of new awesome places and then going on to do more things. And that's kind of when I got involved. Right. So you, you were sort of in on the ground floor of Edmonton sort of restaurant boom, because before there was nothing. Like it was like when I was growing up, downtown on Jasper Ave, the only restaurant or bar we could go to was Stonehouse. Mm-hmm. And right. now, like, you know, or yeah. I guess Druid was, was there still, yeah. or, but that wasn't even really close to downtown. Yeah, yeah. And now there's just all these cool restaurants all over the totally. city. Totally, there's hundreds now, and it's it's been awesome to be, you know, not leading that movement by any means. There's some some great people that have had seen potential in at downtown Edmonton, um, but I, I I got into that work as those were getting going, mm-hmm. and so it was great to make friends with all of those people. So as they were establishing their places, I kept frequenting them and getting to know all of those owners and uh, kind of what they were doing. So especially when it came di- time for additions in their restaurants or expansions onto a new place, mm-hmm. I was able to get involved at that point. And again, being a young guy with more or less just a handful of tools and availability to work, I would get involved with, you know, small things. We could go in and do just build one or two new tables that they wanted or a little shelving addition to their space and just right. get involved with them somehow. Or a feature wall or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so we, yeah, like I said, we were able to work with a good number of, of restaurants there. At that time, we did The Bower. So Red Star was open, and they next door to it had Halo, and were changing it over to The Bower. You guys did that? Yeah, so... That's I, cool. I love that. Thanks. Like, yeah, like that was... That, uh, if I could have like a basement bar, that's what it built out like that. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And that was one too. That again, this was this that was pretty much the project after Duchess, and we operated in the same way that the owners had an idea of what they were looking for, for sure layout and kind of general aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But I came in and kind of took their inspiration pictures and bought a bunch of material and just said, well, we can do it this way and start mocking up examples of how we could do the trim work and the finishing. And then they would say, yep, that's good. And then I'd just get to work. So spend hundreds and hundreds of hours just plugging away, doing all the the trim work and finishing there. 
Nice. And at this time, were you then still working on the side, building decks, still doing jobs like that? Yeah, yeah. That would have been, there was about two years of kind of transitioning where summers would be busy. I would still be working decks uh, throughout the summer and then kind of, you know, on the, the, the fall and the winter, I would take on other projects. Perfect, because you get to be inside. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but also as a... Um, as starting a new company, it was great because I had a job and then I would slowly kind of pick up enough work that I could then be fully sufficient on that. Right. So it was, you know, it was a huge blessing to have that there and my, my dad be, be flexible and willing enough to say, yeah, go for it. Go take three weeks to do something else because, right. you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't trapped into a a job or a nine to five that locked me in and kind of limited my availability. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was great. And yeah, it took about two years to kind of transition away from going back and working with him and then was solely independent. And it was pretty quick after that, that I realized, you know, it, it was too much for just myself to be plugging away at the work, but also then taking care of the business side of things, drumming up new business, meeting with clients, um, everything that a, a business involves. So hired on some help at a pretty early stage. Um, and it would be, I've had a number of employees over the years, but the first few, they would be, you know, kind of temporary help or interested in what I was doing. And they might be around for a specific project, maybe two weeks or two, three, four months, just to, mm-hmm. to kind of get me through a point. And then... That was a big leap when I, I added um, uh, a key employee who started out as a helper, but really had an interest in what I was working on and, and, and saw eye to eye of what, what I was wanting to do is just build creative spaces, do creative woodworking in mm-hmm. a quality way. Um, and he also, he was learning the craft as well as he recognized that I was still learning the craft and sure. owning my skills. I, yeah. There's still You're a lot. always learning. Always learning. Mm-hmm. There's still so much to learn. Um, but he has continued with me. We're going on probably seven, seven and a half years of working together. He had finished his carpentry apprenticeship under me. And uh, yeah, still kind of the, the main man in the shop here running the, the production and operations. So that's Ilya. Oh, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so is he a better carpenter than you now? Not quite. <laughs> no, um, we we joke about that, but no, I've uh, I would say him, and then the other person that's been with me second longest is Dara, and she has been about six years, maybe six and a half, and <clears throat> she's also finished the apprenticeship program, and I think both of them like for their their quality and detail, they have for sure surpassed me just because they're the ones that are doing the fit and finish of everything. They're the ones on the tools all the time is where um, my role has definitely shifted more to the business side of things mm-hmm. and my my involvement on the tools is, it, it varies on the week or the month, but if I'm maybe 25% of my time is on the tools max um, throughout the year. Right, so you've shifted to a business owner. Yeah. 
and, yeah. and not to, well, that's a good transition to be able to make. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I enjoy that part. Um, it's, it's definitely a constant learning thing because that's, that's not what I went to school for. That's not what I set out to do. Right. But like building anything, building our team, building our business and our clients has been, has been awesome. And still, you know, for me, it's, it's interesting. I, I went out to, to work with people uh, looking for a retail or, or restaurant job. Felt like I had to settle for a carpentry job, but was able to kind of reintroduce those goals right. by being in the restaurant industry, working with those people, and now my job is is you know my my staff here is working with and on them, mm-hmm. teaching them, being there for them as well as with clients and people, and mm-hmm. and so I get to do that now, but with something that I I know well. Right. So that's that's kind of a fun full circle thing. The business side, uh, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have uh, come from a family or a couple generations of kind of entrepreneurs and 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 self-employed people. Mm-hmm. So that's not a really foreign thing in our our family, and I've got great examples of of uh, ways to do do things. And. I enjoy it. I mean, building the team has been a, a big focus for us. Building the team, which in turn builds the the culture of, of who we are and what we do, and relates to our our clients and, and everything. Right. Yeah. Nice. Well, who, so who runs your guys's Instagram social media? Because that's well run. <laughs> yeah, that has been. Uh, that's always been a really fun kind of aspect of of all of our apartment. Uh, initially started with me being the main person behind running that, the main voice of the the company. It's changed hands a few times over the years based on my interest and energy levels towards it. Right. I, yeah, it gets tiring. Yeah, uh, sure. yeah. So, so sometimes I I pass it off whether that's to um, an employee within here, or we have kind of contracted it out at times but uh, something we've always put a lot of importance on because we are you know interested and excited about what we're working on we want mm-hmm. to share that and we want to show what we're doing on a day-to-day basis and I think Edmonton can or people that follow us look to us as people that are in the know of projects and places in Edmonton we get to right. work with a lot of really great um, independent restaurants and and uh, shops and stuff so we get to do that um, and the business has also grown uh, you know I guess just kind of progressed from where it was like I said I started it by just showcasing the furniture and kind of accessories that I was building for myself and kind of grew into um, restaurant on-site carpentry and construction and, and we still get to do both of those things so we've continued to have a line of furniture that we have designed in-house and we fabricate in-house that we then sell online right so we still have that online store you can shop that and check out and it's it's expanded we still have some of the original items that we started with kind of the smaller home home decor pieces but also expanded to 
tables. So we've got dining tables, side tables, coffee tables, kind of those larger furniture pieces mm-hmm. that we made make to order. So everything here, um, we don't sit on inventory at all. We, we make those pieces to order. But then we do custom furniture, custom designed and built pieces, again, all in-house, as well as those full spaces. So we can take um, a shop or a restaurant and work on the design, work on branding with them, and then design the, the kind of millwork and furniture and finishings and produce them all. Right. Awesome. Yeah, so a good example of that is this summer we had worked on Made by Marcus, the ice cream shop on White Ave. Right, I saw, I saw that one on Instagram for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, that was, and that was a fun project for us. We were able to take that from start to finish working on the design, uh, getting in with the owner at an early enough stage that he came to us for the creative aspects of the space, all the drawings. We worked with a general contractor to kind of get the building prepped for our finishing then. And then we did all of the, all of the furniture and, and building on that. Nice. And that too is a recent expansion because as the business grows, there's too much to take on. And, you know, I, I've been able to hire great people in the shop to work on the projects, but I was getting bogged down with just too much business and design work. And mm-hmm neither of those are my background so may of 2018 i partnered up with a longtime friend of mine chris provins who came on as a partner and he comes from an industrial design background with branding and graphic design as kind of his most recent practices he was working here at a place called lift interactive for the past six years or six years prior to starting here and that's been a huge asset because he's really been able to help develop the brand, uh, kind of work on the the, the design of, of what we work on, as well as help us take on larger design projects. Cool. So you, do, you did that out of necessity. Uh, did you have a problem giving up? I mean, you've been building that for what? six and a half years before yeah. kind of by yourself yeah i just i just think about myself like i i get it like yeah i i mean i get bogged down but then giving up a portion of what is basically your baby here, yeah yeah uh, how do you feel about that when that happens uh <laughs> you know what this it's it's worked extremely well um i think chris is a very easy guy to work with he also sees eye to eye the same as I do on, on a lot of things. So mm-hmm. it was it was really easy to pass over because a lot of <coughs> sorry. A lot of the responsibilities that he was taking on, I had full trust in what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And we had a relationship, uh, both a friendship and a working relationship before starting to work together here. Um We'd been friends for three or four years before that mm-hmm. and had worked on a few projects together. So uh, we first, I would say the first real kind of site that we worked together on was PIP. And okay. so 
Chris. And what's Pip? Pip is a locally owned restaurant. Um, my wife is one of the owners, and so I was fortunate enough to win that contract for doing the uh, the finishing work in there. Which is a sweet. Did you guys build the bar in there? Yeah, we did the bar top, the shelves, kind of all the tables and kind of all the the wood accent pieces, and then the patio as well. And Chris had helped her with um, kind of Salish took handle of the interior design and planning. Uh, and worked with Chris on that kind of the design as well as the kind of the branding and identity of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a great fit and it worked really well together. And that's when we kind of got the the concept of well, what if we what if we did that together more full time? What if we were able to combine our efforts and and do this? Because a lot of times we were coming in after the design was established and we would we would show an owner how we could build their vision but we weren't always helping to shape or direct that vision so now we can get in at an earlier stage to help oh that makes sense okay so yeah he's bringing a whole extra level of of sort of profitability to your to your business not yeah. just the lap I get it so we can otherwise I would have said well why aren't you uh, hiring a manager yeah you know or whatever and yeah and just, that was sort of my yeah no for sure so he can help with you know weekly business things but also be that missing link to a larger scope of work for us so mm-hmm. we can now take on a lot more get involved at an earlier stage help design these places and the the benefit for the the owner is that we can design something that is within their budget mm-hmm. so you know we listen to their you know what they're looking for um, pick up on their what they want out of a design but also then draw and create something that we know we can build and we know we can build it within that budget. A lot of times there's so many changes between what a designer thinks up and what actually can happen. Right, sure. Because of material costs and labor and, and they just aren't always aware of the process of what it takes to do something. So that was a really nice thing. Like With Made by Marcus, we were able to do a lot but our initial concept and pitch of what we were going to do to our final stage was they were the same. We didn't have to compromise. We didn't have to change anything because before putting an idea out there, you know, Chris and I came up with that creative together, but ran it through myself in my shop to be like, well, can we make this? Is this a possible mm-hmm. thing? And, you know, we are constantly challenging ourselves with making more complex or more creative things but we know that we can do it right rather than having to shop it out and shoot down the idea and then spend more time redesigning something and redoing something and at the end of the day costing the owner more money and time and and letting them down totally well i mean and i even get it from from a standpoint there was we mostly we didn't we didn't build a lot of custom homes but when we did there was always an issue between what the architect envisioned and what you could actually build yeah. on the ground where yeah. you're like, well, 
we can't quite do that even though they think they can because they're working off of their cat or whatever totally so you know it's better if you have sort of it it all combined together where you say yes this is exactly what we can do and we're going to run into a lot less issues you're going to be more efficient i would imagine and that's been a huge learning curve for chris to 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 learn how to draw something that you know is made out of the materials that we commonly use out of the hardwood and stuff but now we've kind of got that more and more together and him and i can spend time together um yeah coming up with those plans so that they get properly executed where do you order what kinds of wood are you working with here where do you order this stuff we get (laughs) most of our stuff questions about where i can get stuff well we get it through uh a wholesaler that only sells to larger accounts but well what do you mean <laughs> my garage is pretty large my brother-in-law owns Glenora lumber so he okay. can order stuff yeah for he'll it. he'll hook you up mm-hmm. uh, are that that is you know what that's a good question because one of one of the things that we are known for is uh, building with hardwood mm-hmm. so all, like all of our furniture line is solid wood we don't typically use veneers or plywood. Um, we, for our furniture line specifically, we use all hardwood, uh, mainly focusing on ash, walnut, and rift-cut white oak. So that's kind of the mix of woods that we kind of cover the the light to the medium and dark wood with the walnut, um, and and even with our with our custom projects, we like to focus on that, and that's kind of how our shop is set up. We aren't set up to be a typical millworker cabinet making shop. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff we we kind of stay away from. We might do a couple of cabinets in a restaurant project because it's kind of the whole project. Right. But we definitely would never take on a kitchen or a like a full cabinet project. It's just not what we're set up for. And there's lots of shops in the city that are set up to do that. And they bang them out and uh, they are what they are. They're boxes and they just can make them at a much better price point and for sure end of the day even quality than we can Mm -hmm. but what we a lot of times come in and and kind of fill in the the gaps with is those then custom unique pieces so on the more residential side like we'll do we'll do custom dining tables and standalone furniture but we'll even go into a kitchen and just do some solid wood floating shelves or kind of accent pieces or maybe it's a couple of couple of cupboard doors that uh, kind of just show off that wood grain to make their kitchen pop. So maybe someone puts in an IKEA kitchen but doesn't want it to scream IKEA so we'll put in a couple of solid wood floating shelves and a couple of doors and it just gives it that kind of unique extra. Right, just a little, extra. little bit cooler. Yeah. Well like I just from and there will be a picture up on that you can check them out on Instagram, but you're like a hip dude, right? Well, <laughs> like coming from you, thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm wearing my Oilers Nation hoodie. Like, there's not much hip about me. No. <laughs> but you guys are like a hip, cool couple. Uh, maybe uh, so. I it's just all everything about the shop. Like even the stuff that you make is like. A little bit retro, like hip, like it's a sort of a cool vibe to all of it, which I really like. Well, thank you. Which I feel fits with, like that's you, right? Is more or less? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, like I, I we're we're very fortunate that we get to work in 
spaces and on these pieces that are an example of of us um myself and my whole team like you know it's a it's a collaborative process in working on these things so that we get to kind of put our own little touch and spin on mm -hmm. things and to be honest we will say no to certain jobs because they just don't line up with what we let's say agree on in style mm -hmm. um because it's just not the right fit and there's other people that might be a better fit so we are rather than just saying no we are happy to refer other people because it would be better in the long run for everybody right but you're I, not going to get a referral from somebody or if you don't enjoy the job or whatever right. you know like you're just not going to do as good a work as you can yeah so. our, our heart's not going to be in it we're not going to have a real interest and passion in the piece or the end result and so so we're happy to pass that on but i appreciate your kind words we're uh we're always passionate about what we're working on and and happy to kind of express ourselves through these these designs no they're always like smooth smooth clean lines on everything right like you're and that's the opposite of kind of how i build which is <laughs> more like rigid so yeah uh, what it like if my shelving wouldn't have the corners sort of perfect on yeah. them? It's more of like a barnwood type of stuff right. style that I have, whereas yours is nice and clean. Well, I think you know, there's there's kind of two things there. We want to build pieces that will last, and so we put the the effort into the materials we use and the the process that we put into them so that they're built solid so they physically will last mm -hmm. but you know we're also a we're a culture that gets bored and wants to to change things up and so to, we try and make things that are classic and I think all of us here in the shop and on the team really appreciate a classic long-term aesthetic so right. we want it to look good now and you know, still be relevant in years or decades to come. Right. Well, yeah, as it should be. Maybe, uh, so you were just telling me before, um, before we started this, that this job or, or this company was basically how you ended up with your wife. So maybe mm -hmm. just talk about that a little bit because I have, that's all I know. Yeah. Uh, Let's see how that went down. We, I am married to Salish, who is one of the owners of Next Act, Meat, and Pip. Right, and I've interviewed Nathan. Right, and Salish. her, her I'll, business. I'll get her on the podcast too, but I, I was like, I don't really need to have them like right in a row after <laughs> because just back to back because we always already heard sort of Nathan's side of the mm -hmm. story, so. Yeah, but uh, we did. We met through through this work because she had me over to take a look at the the work needing to be done on meat. So they had owned Next Act for a while, um, and like I said, this then this would have been back when I was still kind of just more or less on my own. Maybe I had Ilya with me at this point, but we were just kind of getting into this the the restaurant scene and stuff and so we hadn't met but she had me over to next act to to talk about meat and what we could do there and just not knowing what i could offer for for work and at that time she was looking for more of a general contractor and i said well i'm more suited to do the furniture and the the finishings 
and that was great. She kind of kept that in mind, and we... What happened? Let's see. Meat got kind of put on hold because they had ran into some kind of delays on the uh, the building and stuff. But that's inevitably what happened was we, I kind of continued to be a regular at Next Act and got to know Salish a bit more. And then there was movement on, on the Meat project. And so we were kind of hanging out at this point and then she she hired me on and got got moving on all of the tables and shelving and like I said all the kind of wood accents for for meat so we kind of started dating during that process and then we said let's you know let's let's get through this project right. yeah that's a let's, little stressful let's it, make what, sure what if it doesn't go very well let's right? make sure we get the, the work done and then yeah. uh, after after the restaurant's open and the, the work is done we'll see if uh, if we still wanted to be together and nice. uh, fortunately we did and now, let's see, that's been five and a half years since Meat opened. Mm-hmm. And that's going well. And same with uh, Salish and I, we've continued to, to be together since. Right. And a couple kids. A couple kids. we got two kids. They're uh, one and three. And now she's got the three restaurants there with her partners. And I'm able to continue doing this. And like I said, worked on PIP with her. And... Uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's it's awesome because we're not in the same industry, but yet we, you know, have the same job of entrepreneur, and we're able to mm-hmm. to talk together about that. And she might not know the ins and outs of my work, but yet it's kind of nice to have that that kind of viewpoint. Like she doesn't know the work, but yet can kind of give Still offer, offer insights yeah, into the, sure. the management, the business, and, yeah. and how to deal with things. Um, whether that's, yeah, juggling jobs or collections or hiring and firing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's she's definitely the, the person I go to first to talk about that stuff. Nice. Well, yeah, that's good. It is one of the hard parts about, like, me on my own. Like, my wife doesn't really care about <laughs> my, like, she's doesn't she does of course but she's a teacher she yeah. doesn't get sort of the entrepreneur world and basically the only sounding board I have is ex-colleagues I mm-hmm. had at my old firm okay. which most of them don't like to talk to me because <laughs> they're like <laughs> all you're doing is bashing us all the time but <laughs> I still hang out with a few of them but that's so I, it, this has actually sort of been a great experiment for me with the podcast yeah. Just because now I'm talking to people that have done it in all sorts of different mm-hmm. businesses and it's motivating and I learn, you know, a couple of great things almost every yeah. time I interview somebody about, you know, the the risk or the challenge yeah. or mistakes or whatever. So Well and I would say learning from them is what really helped me see taking on a partner how beneficial that would be. Mm-hmm. There, there are three people that have three different roles and three different backgrounds and experience. And, you know, I saw how beneficial that was because they can lean on each other. And they're not all, they're not three chefs that are now fighting in the kitchen over what to do and no business work is getting done. Right. They're able to divvy up the work and get it done and rely on each other. And 
that's what I, I felt I needed here. And so getting that kind of confidence to take on a partner in such a different role so that Chris is able to take on a different, mm-hmm. different list of tasks and duties because he comes from a different background. Yeah. You know, if I, if I had taken on partner of another, um, or who was another carpenter, take on a partner who's a carpenter, I think that we would just be kind of bickering as to how to do something or who's putting in more time because right. you're, 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 you're fighting over the same job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't really see the benefit in that. I yeah. think you need to, to have partners that can build you up in your weaknesses and, and give you a, a, a strong team. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that's uh, in a successful partnership, there's always a very defined role of each partner. Yeah. And if you don't have that, then that's where your partnership's going to struggle every time. Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes it takes people a while to find, you know, who's doing what if they start together. Yeah. But, um, but defining that role for sure mm-hmm. can make a very strong business and I've seen it happen many times. Mm-hmm. Um, what about, uh, so what, what's probably, what's been the best thing that's happened to you guys? What's the, what's the best, your, your favorite achievement thus far maybe? I would probably say just honestly building the team and the culture that we have here. And I say that for two reasons. One is because it's great, but two is it's, we've, we've worked on a lot of projects and so many things have their highlights. Like we can look back on something as small as a night table, nightstand for somebody and be like, oh, that was so good. Was that the pinnacle of our career? No. <laughs> right. Um, and, and all of those things, like there's been so many great things throughout, but kind of the, the constant is that we have a great team that gets things done mm-hmm. and we can take on so many different challenges because there are, you know, in total with Chris and myself, there's eight of us, we can, we can take a lot on. Um, and we work really hard at empowering everybody here and defining those roles and allowing people to, to continue to work and own those, those roles and those, those skills and those jobs here. Right. Instead of feeling like a full employee that's just clocking in, it's actually like yeah. a collaboration. And, and even just that, uh, you know, I, <coughs> it's no longer me fully running the, the show and the list of things that need to get done. When it was myself, you know, kind of training Ilya and Dara, it was very much them being my helper. Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, let's glue up this and then let's do that. And as we're now, we have more of a structured morning where we go through a team meeting and we structure the day so that they can go out and work for the day on the projects. Right. Um, and, and I think that that's like, it's a great place to be because I don't need to be with them hand in hand all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can just continue to to take on stuff so that the the team is great we've worked on a lot of things I think some like most recently was for sure made by Marcus that was a big project for us Mm -hmm. Um, it was the most complete project because we really did start from the the concept of the space the design of the space um, 
worked with a contractor to to kind of build it out but then we came in and did all the the finishing and furniture and stuff and so so to date that's kind of the the largest oh. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. You guys doing a podcast? Right? We are. Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, that's okay. I <laughs> yeah. can cut it out. He can yeah. do some edits. Yeah, it's all at good. At fifty-one minutes. Okay. Um, yeah, I hope everything's good. Yeah, me too. Um, <coughs> I'm gonna be late tomorrow. Yeah, check in tomorrow. tonight. Let me know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His uh, his wife went into the hospital with a, a finger in the food processor. Brutal. So he's going to go home a little early to take care of the kids and make sure she's still got a hand. Um, So yeah, Marcus was a a large full-on project for us. And that that didn't come, you know, a week after Chris joined. It, 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 It came in, you know, six or eight months after he joined. So it was a pretty short amount of time after, um, be being part of the team but that that really is a strong vision of what we want to be able to do consistently and continually so we were pretty thrilled when marcus approached us and uh you know he had an established brand and name and we were able to to elevate that and bring it to edmonton so uh is is that where you see or or want the business to go where's your most sort of profitable area is it furniture is it doing those projects and is that the goal even is like or is it like work you like we you know we we like focusing on both the the custom design and build side whether that's residential for a one-off piece or a, a commercial space but we also do really enjoy our line of products it allows us to have kind of full creative um, license to do whatever mm-hmm. and and build something that we're passionate about. Like I said, we're fortunate enough to work on projects that we are passionate about, but the furniture line is something we're really able to be passionate and put our, our real craftsmanship into. Um, so I think we will always do both. Right. Currently, our custom side far outweighs our product side, and I would love to balance that out so that we could be taking on more select custom clients and continue the sales of the products so that they are occupying more of the time of the shop so that we can kind of continue to fund development of new pieces, expansion of, of that line. Right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can check, so you can check out your website for any, all the custom stuff yeah. that, that you guys sell too, right? That's Which right. Is, yeah. And is that just OliverAPT.com? Dot com, yeah. Yeah, oh, that was a good guess. That's, yeah, <laughs> you're on it. Nice. Um, yeah, and like so many things we do and continue to do is that there's always learning. We're learning how to fix something or do something or it you know maybe it ended up a little different than planned or maybe a little different than last time so there's always kind of headaches and and problems with with Mm -hmm. projects and and always nice fun high points the having public spaces is such a thrill because i can talk about these spaces and you can go and enjoy them if you haven't already so if i can say oh yeah no we did work on woodwork and brico and 
cavern and duchess and what you all of go these in there different and spots. have a meal or something exactly. and you're proud you like, and and, yeah. and they're they're public spaces that people get to go and and be part mm-hmm. of and and that's that's pretty fun it's pretty nice yeah, to to be able to to share those places because i can say oh you should see what we did at you know that guy's house over there and i most i can do is show you a picture you don't get to go and right. enjoy it it's just for them also fun to service those clients as well have you ever done like custom custom basements or anything like that or just like pieces in in areas like that like yeah more people? more pieces um the the kind of that that kind of gets into more the the home reno side of things mm-hmm. and there was a point when we maybe we were going to pivot towards that and it just wasn't quite quite right and i think that our our passion and interest and maybe our capital wasn't there to to do that mm-hmm. to uh you know we we toyed with flipping places and and kind of doing that route and i also think that there's enough people that offer those services and right. and kind of know that more so um that more more than we do and so we were like let's just stick to our focus of being specialized in custom woodworking and fine woodworking so you're in like a cool niche yeah. space that, yeah it is that is interesting yeah do you, you know chris right like uh, mcphee yes yeah. yeah yeah i thought you knew him He's a buddy of mine. Okay. Uh, but he, what did he, did he do? Three boards. He did. Yeah. He was. Um, he was the one that did the initial three boards space, and I know like we'd gone in there after and did some other kind of additions and renos, and so we've crossed paths over the years, and and he's kind of pivoted and worked on a few different projects and kind of different paths, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's doing just mostly homes now. I think. Yeah. But <coughs> Oh, well, that, uh, what about, uh, do you have a biggest favorite failure you want to share? Anything you can think of? <laughs> I like asking that question. Yeah, favorite failure, I, you know what, there have been so many jobs that we get into and we get in over our heads where we're going, like, just have to stand back and scratch our heads saying, like, how are we going to do this? Like this is nothing we've ever done before and as much as i want to be specialized and kind of safeguard us from that i definitely get us into some sticky situations where i say oh yeah we can do that we can figure that out lean on my team to right actually execute on that so we've we've definitely uh you know we've had to work our way out of those problems but there was a few times when we were doing on-site stuff where you're building something and you just don't know how it's going to line up or get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just melts your mind just thinking about how we're going to do this and how are we going to either work or buy our way out of this like contract. Right. And inevitably we just come together and work for figure free, out. Basically. Yeah, you start. <laughs> I get to go in and work for free a bit. Yeah. Um, but work through it. Um, any other failures none that immediately come to mind but there's always things woods react differently than you expect you might end up with some warping or some cracking or different tones or colors than you expected and so 
definitely strip it down and redo it or mm -hmm. replace a top if it's needed and try and try and work on that and as we've gotten more specialized we are doing the same thing more than just once and we try and safeguard ourselves against that right right yeah. you don't want to always keep making the same mistake but we keep getting ourselves into new situations that allow for That's new mistakes. That's the hard part about sort of custom builds. Yeah. Is like you're like, well, well, hopefully this looks good when I'm done. But yeah. right, like if you build something once or twice, yeah, uh, I mean you've pretty much got it if it's not too complicated. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, if it, there's a there was a boardroom table that we did where it was really no different than a a solid wood glued up solid wood tabletop than than others we'd done but it just kept warping and cupping and so we went back and we had you know cut on the underside we had cut in and put a bunch of metal reinforcement to kind of straighten it out and it kept cupping and kept cupping and it's tough because I can't control the environment mm -hmm. um, but w what it came down to was it was a glass box it was a corner office glass box getting sunlight from the east south and west and it was getting extra like fluctuation in humidity and temperature every day so it just it was unpreventable interesting but the owner also saw it as that well you know he has no control over the environment so why should he be on the hook for a warped table i thought i'd didn't need to be on the hook for a table and environment that I can't control. Right. So, I mean, we continued to work with them to straighten it out and fix it and, and make it right because at the end of the day, we don't want to just go around and have shoddy work all over the place. And so right. we're there to work with you on what's the problem and let's make it right. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, you never know. It's, you I never mean, know. You're tough. Well, you should see, like... The, I built stuff like I built this wine rack because we had another wine rack it was really cool that I got built for our anniversary but it only held three bottles so I was like I'll make one out of gotta wood gotta expand that a little yeah so I'll make one out of wood that holds 12 and there's always imperfections in wood especially when I don't have a planer I like and wood shrinks yeah. like if you don't realize like if you build a fence or whatever or deck and even though the boards are tight well they're gonna split yeah and when my wife looks at everything i've ever built she's like well that like doesn't isn't perfect there and i'm like well <laughs> yeah. that's because the wood changes yeah. after Afterwards. i've done like it looked better before so like just don't look at anything i build ever yeah like, she's just so uh, very so critical. critical of my work yeah. whereas other people are like oh my god can't i can't believe you, you made built a that. thing and i'm like i did used to build houses like it's i can, can build a coffee table i'm pretty sure can you use a tape measure in the sun yeah exactly i i think <coughs> that like that's a that was a learning curve was the quality of the material and a lot of times people don't always understand that that's critical thing and you're paying not just for the look but the stability like sure i remember we were working on barber hall this was years ago but we had built some new stations for them and to be more economical we had used some some fur to build some countertops 
and uh, we'd use the same material over at Woodwork. Um, and again, it was kind of just, it's more economical wood. It's nice, thick, heavy timbers. But the reality was they're not stable. They're not kiln dried to a certain degree. And they warped and cracked and we had to go and replace them all because mm-hmm. it's just not, they're not stable. And yeah. and people just think, oh, and I, I used to think, it took me a long time to like come to a, an understanding and a realization. You think a big piece of wood is just going to stay the way it is. Right. But it won't. It'll... Mm-hmm. Warp a little bit, and over a course of a table, it's gonna it's gonna be yeah, noticeable. Gonna it's, notice. it's gonna be unacceptable for sure, at least by our standards. No, and and not for my standards, right? That it's acceptable for <laughs> what I need, right? Like if I, but some people have bought some of the little crafty things that I've done, oh, yeah. and I'm always like, this look, it's not. This will never be perfect, <laughs> and they're like. Oh, I like it that it's not. And I'm yeah. like, well, okay, fine. Then yeah, that's what you're in for because it's not perfect. I, yeah. I, because I paint some stuff. Okay. Or whatever, and they're like, I'll show you after some of the crap I've done. But, uh, <laughs> um, so we're we're pretty much done. But I but I always like to end with sort of two questions. I like first of all, thank you very much for coming on. Check out the website, their Instagram. They're always doing cool things, really neat projects. But uh, first question I like to ask is, uh, has this been easy, you know, starting your own business? Has it just been a joy from day one and zero struggles? <laughs> of course not. <laughs> uh, but it's been it's been enjoyable enough to like to keep at it um, it's it's for sure I got into it out of a passion and I continue to do it because I have a passion for it and I'm excited to I'm excited to do it and I always like am thankful when I'm away on holidays I by the time 10 days or 2 weeks comes around I'm you know kind of itching to get back to work and not mm-hmm. because I'm some sort of workaholic I've got a great work life balance and we we take a lot of time to just be with our families and have our own personal time. But I, I'm pumped on what we do. The, right. the, the team here, the quality of the work, and the projects we get to work with. So it, it is a joy, but not... On the whole, it's a joy, but not every day, not every project is, um, mm-hmm. is enjoyable. And there's stresses that I deal with that the employees don't have to deal with. Um, but just as being a, a, a business owner, you've got to worry about how everything's going to get paid for and mm-hmm. how everything's going to get lined up and completed. Well, it's my favorite question because I know and almost like a lot of employees that work for all sorts of companies are like, they have it made because they own the business. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. most of the time in a lot of companies, the boss makes a lot less yeah. than the employees, especially in the beginning. Yeah. For a long time, and you're like, but you can't, you can't pretend that's what's going on. So you have to. Yeah. You you have to sort of put on a facade. And lastly, I like to ask this question too: Could you ever go back to being an employee? Uh, my dream job is to. I've got two dream jobs, and hopefully, I can 
do them both at some point in my life. Uh, mow lawns for the city. Mm-hmm. And then drive a delivery truck for FedEx or UPS or something. For I think, real? Yeah, I think those would be so good. Summer mowing lawns for the city, just get behind a weed whacker or in the bucket Nothing of a... Nothing stressful about that no, job at all. I wouldn't think so. I've sort of done it before. Yeah. I, I, but hey, you get a map out where you're going. You get sent out to somewhat different places. You got a pretty clear job to do mm-hmm. and uh, you get it done. And when it's done, don't think about it till you're back the next morning. Nice. And I think something like FedEx or uh, you know a larger delivery company like that just being able to be in that that kind of organization and management like I, I've definitely like with with working here and being more on the business side like uh, management systems organizing systems has has interested me and inspired me um, and so to be kind of just like in that in that role would be fun. Probably not for too long, but uh, <laughs> definitely looks exciting when when I see them driving around and I've got a few other things to be thinking about. Um, I want to do that. And then another, I guess on the, on the same side to just be in the, the uh, that, that kind of structure and organization is uh, like a really well-organized warehouse. So if you've ever been to Uline, they have, they sell like packaging and office supplies and almost anything you need to run a business. Um, mm-hmm. But their warehouse is massive. It's got probably a hundred thousand SKUs in there and they've got stock like crazy and it is so clean and organized and they are so friendly and efficient and I really want to work for them someday because it's just such a well put together are they like Greg's distributors ish sort of yeah Yeah. much larger uh, but like we get their catalogs here all the time I bet all of the restaurants and all of a lot of people listening get their catalogs but it's like it's everything from garbage garbage cans they'll have 20 different garbage cans you can order and then all the bags to go with it and brooms and gloves and stainless steel racking systems and bins to put your like containers and mm-hmm. knives and tape and cardboard boxes of every single size and packing material it's just <coughs> everything and it's it just looks awesome like they've got just such a good system and a lot of my job is going from you know, store to store, wholesaler to wholesaler, and every place operates a little differently. Mm-hmm. You can go, like, a lot of the lumber places that I go to, they're, you know, large warehouse-style lumber places, um, or any of our stock or supply, and it's always frustrating because they all operate slightly differently, and some people are really on top of their stuff and get you in and out really quick, and some people are have just such an attitude and their process is confusing and there's signs telling you what to do but yet the people working there don't follow those same rules they've got their own rules it's just it's like just come on like get on the same page Mm -hmm. and so we've been working really hard here on lean management and a lean uh structure of 
of production and that's gotten me really excited and our whole team it's uh lean is a have you heard of lean well like i assume like lean like like trimming the fat it, it sort of but it's a it's it's is it's an actual acronym? i don't think it's actually an acronym but it's more just a like it is it's, it's operating on a lean style but there's it's a whole kind of uh theory and principle behind it so just operating efficiently um keeping the production methods simple reducing your waste and empowering your people mm -hmm. um so we've been working on that here and so when i see other places that that utilize that i get i get pretty excited and just see it as a model that that i would want to be or that i am inspired by and would want to replicate nice yeah well, I do have to get to, to my son's skating lesson, and I got through my questions, I guess. But thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for it's having me. It's a pleasure hearing the story, and yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see you again fairly soon. I look forward to it, and I appreciate you taking the time and interest in what we do here. Of course. Thank you very much. Yeah.